0: Thanks for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. It's powered by Cap Logistics. And I'm your host, Doug Draper. I'm with the Denver Transportation Club. And today's guest is Dave Young. Uh, Dave, thanks for coming in today. My
1: pleasure, Doug. Great so, to be here.
0: Um, Dave is with USI Insurance Services, but he's also um, with the Business School. He's an instructor at CU Denver here in, in Denver. So that, That's awesome. Yeah. So Before we jump in and learn a little bit about you, I want to make sure that everybody understands, this is an insurance discussion, but we're going to make it cool. Yes. We're going to make it interesting, and you won't turn this off in the first three <laughs> minutes. That's As- our commitment.
1: As our best we can.
0: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it is insurance. But, you know, we've known each other for, for a while, yeah. and I know that this will be a great conversation. So, before we jump into some of our topics, just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got in the industry, and then what you do over at the business school.
1: Uh, you know, the, the gray hair comes with more than 30 years in the property and casualty insurance industry. And, um before people just write me off as crazy to begin with for going into insurance um, I will say that I'm a, a third generation insurance person so I didn't really have a choice nice yeah so um yeah 32 years exclusively devoted to the property casualty insurance industry um specialize in in trucking and industrial type of risks um actually a, a number of risks across the board but in addition to that at night I Teach for the business school at CU Denver, uh, a combination graduate undergraduate course called Practical Enterprise Risk Management. Okay. I could simply define the difference between insurance and risk management as: here's where you can buy insurance to offset a risk from your balance sheet, whereas enterprise risk management focuses on the type of risks such as. Strategic and operational reputation management, things like that, that you just can't insure for.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's interesting. I certainly want to to get in that because we were having a conversation before the show, and those are the type of insurance or situations you're like, "Hey, I didn't even know that was a thing." Right, right. So, yeah. so that's great. Um, so, being a pretty simple mind myself, I figured let's just kind of start with the basics, right? And, sure. And you hear insurance, and people are like, "Well, what does that mean?" So maybe divide it up into like, okay, you can have insurance for. Commodities. You can have sure. business insurance. Um, you know, transactional type of insurance. So maybe put it in a couple of buckets that you think would be good, and then definitely want to talk about that enterprise uh, piece that you uh, that you sure. teach over at CU.
1: Absolutely. Um, so you know. Uh, uh, f- Commercial insurance buyers in the trucking industry obviously have to insure for a number of standard risks. So, general liability, auto liability, workers' compensation, property, mm-hmm. all of those types. Um, in this environment, umbrella and excess coverage as well to protect balance sheet. Um, those those insurances for most companies are fairly standardized. Um, unless you're of size, you're buying the type of policy called guaranteed cost, which is simply the insurance company takes in everybody's premium and pays out the losses. The challenge in the trucking industry is the losses that the insurance companies are paying out now are substantially larger than they've ever been. Uh, The nuclear verdict is defined by a verdict of more than $10 million is growing by leaps and bounds, Mm -hmm. um, creating a very unprofitable situation for insurance companies in this space. There's a number of things about traditional property and casualty insurance that um, trucking and logistics companies can look at um, as a way to uh, try to mitigate the premium increases that they'll absolutely be seen as a result of a hardening market in insurance, and that's simply um, making sure that you're a, a best-in-class operator. Um, for instance, the firm that I work for, USI, has an entire fleet services group that helps the trucking company comply with everything. Not only safety-related, but regulatory compliance and all those kinds of things, because those things are now driving underwriter perceptions about the quality of the risk and material affects the pricing that you get for that. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so. interesting. Um, tell us about the uh, the enterprise risk. You know, that's a term I've not heard before, and obviously, you're teaching sure. an entire class on it. Yeah, so, tell absolutely. us a little bit more about what that means and and, and what it is. Sure,
1: absolutely. In a nutshell, um, if you if you look at risk, we divide it into four categories. Starting at the top is strategic risk, operational risk, financial risk, and then hazard risk. Insurance pretty much is only designed to cover hazard risk. Mm. Some peril that causes a loss that you want to protect your balance sheet from, you buy insurance for. But up here at the top, strategic risks are things like reputation management, um, third-party supply chain issues over here in operational risk management, uh, hedging down in financial, things like that around diesel, whatever it is that you, you hedge. But none of these are have insurance components related right. to them. It's really down here where people are buying insurance for hail or workers' comp injury or you know whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, however, management these days is under increasing scrutiny to really focus on the risks that typically drive companies out of business or significantly affect shareholder value. Mm-hmm. Um, those risks truly are things like reputation. Um, How do you manage that? And really, in an enterprise risk management scenario, basically what you're saying is, we have a number of risks that we cannot buy insurance for. So, the only other choice that we have is to mitigate that risk. Use some sort of risk mitigation strategy to lower the likelihood of an incident. To do that, the company obviously needs to have key risk owners who are basically in charge of these Mm -hmm. special risks that can't be offset off the balance sheet, um, and that forward progress is being made to make sure those risks are mitigated. Mm -hmm. Those risks are the ones that materially affect companies. As As we'll discuss, there are scenarios where insurance is now driving companies out of business. Just the sheer cost of it. But, in a lot of instances, it's these other types of risks that senior management of companies really need to focus on. because there is no, no yeah. way to offset that risk. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah well, uh, you know, a couple of uh, trends in in the trucking industry specifically, and I know your business does a lot with uh, Colorado Motor Carriers Association here. So it's great that we're talking, um, you know, about the trucking aspect of it. But you know, you said the nuclear nuclear verdicts and other things like that. But just literally a couple of days ago, there was a company in uh, Illinois. Yes. I think it was BK Transport or right. BK Trans um, that did exactly what you said. There was a, three factors that came into play while they're just closing their doors. And one right. of them was insurance cost. Yeah. And, and there was one thing that created that higher insurance cost that both you and I saw that that kind of was uh, alarming. So tell us about what you saw in that article. Well,
1: that article that you sent over, um, you know, probably an astute decision on the part of this uh, 20 truck Trucking company to shutter their doors for a year to see what they can do. They're losing money on insurance because their out of service rate was 43%. Um, that's going to show up. And stand out prominently in a cab report. Cab reports are now one of the key underwriting tools used by trucking insurance underwriters to evaluate how risky this uh, this operation is. Mm-hmm. And since that's significantly higher than the national average for out of service, something's amiss there. Yeah. Um, it could be a, a driver shortage where they can't find quality drivers and. Yeah, they're taking the risk of putting not quality drivers out on the road.
0: (laughs) What what is the national average? So this this group uh, was at forty three. What's the national average that you see out there for for Um, for that statistic?
1: You know, I'd I'd need to reference the cab report. I want to say
0: it's in the low twenties. So double. Yeah. At least yeah. the national average. That's gonna jump off a piece of paper for sure with an if underwriter.
1: It's gonna stand out yeah. and you will not get favorable pricing. Yeah. And it's becoming such a high cost percentage of doing business that it's it's absolutely now material to every trucking company. If I could give you a quick example from the insurance industry, when we look at property and casualty insurance for general industry, let's say, we're typically using what we call the 1% rule to estimate what their spend is. For your general industry company, it's it's fair to say an average-sized company should be spending about 1% of gross revenue on property and casualty insurance coverage. That's our benchmark when we go in and try to estimate the size of a, a company that's not currently a client. Okay. In my experience in the trucking industry, um, probably the um, the highest that I've seen at any one point was eight percent of gross revenue. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah, that is uh, right at the top of your expense line items. Yeah, um, and in my opinion, going forward. The ability to control insurance costs will become a competitive differentiator between trucking companies. Mm-hmm. The be the ability to say, "I pay half of what my uh, competitor down the street does because I'm doing all the right things in terms yeah. of driver onboarding, training, uh, ELD, everything." Yeah,
0: um, like literally leading into a discussion like, "Hey, I want you to use my services versus trucking company B," before. Most people could care less about your insurance, but you're saying it's getting to the point like, here's all the things that I do right, and my insurance is lower because of that. And that's actually a discussion. What you're saying is you'd have upfront front versus, and make it front and center.
1: If I was evaluating um, trucking companies to hire, and I knew about instances like BK Trans, yeah, I'd be absolutely concerned about what their current and pending future insurance costs will be, they might not be in business yeah. in two years, yeah. if it gets any worse. Yeah. And but we... to be able to bring out your cab report and say, look, we are, we are best in class. Um, now, best in class trucking companies, especially those of size, will have options in the marketplace that they can look at to potentially reduce those costs.
0: Yeah. We talked a little bit about uh, technology and how that's impacting the insurance. Right. And I know that the process of managing insurance uh, from your side of the house, it's still, there's not a whole lot of technology out there that's changing that. Yeah. But what is changing is the technology um, that the drivers have. And, and we specifically mentioned the ELDs. Right. And you're talking about the cab report, where um, you can't hide what you're doing out there anymore. And when this data is front and center, yeah. Actuaries are going to take a look at it. And uh is that kind of what you're seeing? Is that the visibility out there of what's really going on is Absolutely. driving the cost?
1: You know, you you're having a lot of issues with um violations in the last mile, drivers trying to get home, um, and they're running up against the limit. Right. Unfortunately, um, as we sort of talked about, we essentially live in nearly a surveillance society these days. Um I, I pretty much act as 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 if I'm on camera all the time. Yeah, because there's a good chance that you are,
0: and you are right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Didn't need to be reminded of that, yeah. but thanks. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, there's no escaping in cab cameras, ELD devices, and all of that data is going to sh- now show up on the underwriter's desk. Mm-hmm. There's there's no escaping it. I will say, I made a comment where yeah the insurance industry is about the least technologically advanced right. <laughs> industry there is. I think we still do it the way we did it in the 1900s but um be that as it may, we now have much more information off which to evaluate a potential risk.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, we're talking today with Dave Young with USI Insurance and a phenomenal professor at the business <laughs> school at uh, CU, CU Denver. So, um, we're always into stories and examples uh, in our conversations here at Uptime Logistics. And I know we were talking a little bit about some examples. We, yeah. we spoke about you know the trucking company in Illinois that just went out of business. Right. Um, are there other Examples that you've seen where trucking companies have had negatively impact because of insurance situations? Maybe there's a handful of, you know, one or two examples that can help paint a picture for our audience.
1: Um, I think people can, while while the insurance industry typically does not get a lot of sympathy, I think people can start to understand some of the challenges that the insurance industry is facing with the trucking industry. one of the most prominent cases of just a few years ago was the judgment against Werner uh, off an accident in Texas, mm-hmm. where the settlement was $90 million. Um, people were blown away by the size of that judgment, only to have, two months later, a larger judgment against FTS, a fracking service, again in Texas, where the judgment was $101 million. Um Those two immediately shot to the top of the largest verdicts in the trucking industry industry loss history. Only to have, in 2018, Schnitzer get tagged with a loss that was $260 million as a result of an accident in Louisiana where a truck did rear-end a family of five in a vehicle, all five passengers were killed upon impact, but that $260 million settlement only involved one of the passengers. Mm. It's now, on. now the, the thing to understand about Texas and Louisiana, from the insurance industry perspective, they typically get multiple spots in the top 10 judicial hell holes in the United States. <laughs> there is an actual list, and there are a number of parishes in Louisiana that are always at the top. Hmm. And unfortunately, what happens in these judicial hell holes is, is the jury of your peers is very inclined to find the deepest pocket they can and award you everything that they want to. In that $260 million settlement, $100 million of that was just for punitive damages. Uh, In the $101 million case, I think it was $75 million in punitive damages, Mm. which in many states is not an insurable item. In some states it is, and you can buy punitive damage coverage in Bermuda, but it goes back to this issue of your insurance costs are going through the roof and becoming a, a material expense item. Yeah. That yeah. affects your profitability.
0: So what what do you think? And this is more just kind of a, a personal comment, right? I mean, there's been accidents for as long as trucks have been on the road and long as humans have been driving. Um, what has happened to have you know the, the nuclear verdict i love that term right. um, you just mentioned three that have all happened in a matter of like 5 to 10 years yeah there were accidents in the 50s and the 40s sure. and the 30s what's happened that's had these verdicts just astronomically high like w- what has changed in your in your thought
1: you know it, it's unfortunate but i think you know as our society becomes even more litigious than it has been um, there is an expectation on the part of people that if you're hurt and there's a deep pocket, you deserve well, probably yeah. <laughs> more than is reasonable, and certainly more than is ever contemplated by an insurance company around the value of the life of one individual.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's A lot of these large judgments are being driven by punitive damages where the jury wants to punish the company for not adhering to its own policies, driving a substandard driver, which was one of the cases right there, um, but to teach them a lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, what the lesson has become is the insurance companies are like, it is in our best interest to settle these cases out of court as fast Mm -hmm. and as quickly as we can, so that we're not looking at a multi-year litigation where we end up with a huge judgment that we'll then spend years appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a rush to settle those claims. As I mentioned, the other four fatalities in that last accident, that hasn't even been settled yet. That's but, uh,
0: unbelievable. I mean, is that company, is Snitcher, still in business?
1: Yeah, but they're, they're a substantial size. Mm-hmm. And so a, a lot of times it's the larger companies that are penalized the most. Because the juries, in assigning punitive damages, are saying well let's give them a percentage of the company's revenue, yeah, and that number can end up being very large, yeah um, insurance carriers for the cost of umbrella from say twenty five to fifty million dollars they're really not getting that much premium. yeah. And they're getting more and more of these verdicts. yeah. Um, and so, what we see in our industry is, especially for trucking, across the next couple of years, substantial rate increases just across the board. Uh, USI recently put out its state-of-the-market report um, for 2020. Every single line of insurance coverage is going up, most cases in double digits, Except for workers' compensation, hmm. to the automation, the robotics, everything else is making most workplaces safer, yeah. um, and so that's driving down comp yeah. costs. But it's the only line of coverage. Mm. Yeah, It's interesting.
0: We were talking uh, as well about you know unintended consequences of of. Um requirements and, and things in the trucking industry there's the driver shortage right, right? we've talked about that multiple times on the show uh, as the workforce ages the right. interest level is waning with uh, new folks coming into um, you know in their 20s and 30s right so what's happened is that I know that there's some um, legislation out there to say well let's let's allow younger drivers um, as as young as 18 to be able to cross state lines they just need bodies in those trucks but i could see just the just the unintended consequences yeah hey we got an extra 15% right. and, and now my my driver force age just went from i'm just using an example sure. 30 to 27 that's going to you know pop a red flag as well so to me that would be an unintended consequence we need bodies in the trucks we're finding them they're young guys and gals right. and they're super interested but from an insurance perspective, like that individual has minimal, if any, experience. And right. I'm sure that's a red flag on the insurance side.
1: Absolutely. And in fact, make sure your policy doesn't restrict you to drivers over the age of twenty-one, as that's very common. Mm. So might be a great idea to want to do this, but make sure that you have the lead to do that. We'll have the insurance coverage to back up those yeah, very young inexperienced drivers yeah um, it's from a from a future risk perspective it's an interesting conundrum for the trucking industry a lot of drivers are aging out we can't pull enough people into the industry to fill seats in trucks yet if you look at long-term emerging risk a long-term emerging risk for the trucking industry is robotic trucking mm-hmm. with no drivers so at the number one list of uh, you know careers at risk from artificial intelligence, number one is accountants. Don't need those guys anymore. <laughs> but truck drivers are right at the top of that list as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, kind of a, a future trend. How do you think that? Um with the automation of trucking, right, and I right. think the most realistic, in my personal opinion, that will happen is platooning, where there's still a human, yep. but there may be two or three trucks that's following them in the platoon. Is the insurance company um, welcoming that, saying, "Hey, this is great because we're going to have to manage less risk"? Is it to be determined? So all the automation that's going to hit literally in the truck, right? What's that going to do for the insurance industry and ultimately the owners of those companies? You know, uh, honestly,
1: it's it's still a little bit of a head scratcher for us because where are you going to assign the liability to a you self-driving exa- That's vehicle? exactly
0: what I was thinking. Right. Um, I
1: believe that there that that platooning concept is currently being employed in Europe with large convoys of trucks going down their freeways with mostly unattended vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, It's interesting because, yes, we are still scratching our head about how we're going to do all this, but we can't ignore um, one important fact that's being discovered as a result of Tesla and other potentially self driving vehicles. Their accident rates are so much less than human driven vehicles. Mm -hmm. You can chalk up most accidents probably to a lot of human error, and that's not happening as much with. You know, um, AI vehicles. Right. So there's actually a concern in the insurance industry about the collapse of the auto insurance segment of our business. Hmm. Are we going to need that many underwriters? Are we going to need that many adjusters if most of the trucks on the road aren't even manned? Mm-hmm. Um, that hasn't been worked out yet, yeah. really, to any
0: uh, degree of sophistication. Yeah. Yeah. Another example of unintended consequence, right? Absolutely. On on your
1: on your industry. So you're trying to drag all these people into a job that will be declining in the future. It's Mm -hmm. it's it's Difficult,
0: yeah, yeah. So let let's uh, take a positive spin, right? Okay. So we've talked about all these things, and here's the sure. trends and, and the chaos. Um, give us some thoughts of or advice, right? I know right. you work with CMCA pretty regularly, and obviously you, your company does a lot with, in our in our industry, right? What are a couple of um, what's some advice you would give? One or two points. If I own a trucking company and I'm trying to mitigate the risk, uh, what are things I can do? Right. So that's not going to put me out of business.
1: You know, I—I um, I guess my first piece of advice would be get creative. There are creative ways to design a risk transfer program that, unless the firm that you're working with has the requisite level of specialization, they might not bring it to your attention. One that we've talked about is this concept of a stock throughput. So, In standard property insurance, you insure buildings, and then you insure business personal property. A lot of times, that's goods in transit. The the program we talked about as a stock throughput is to take um, all goods being transported, from the point they start to the point they end, and put them under what's called a stock throughput policy. That ensures the goods at selling price. So you don't have issues, as many issues with claim settlements. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, much broader perils are covered at much lower deductibles. Um, it's, a, it's a much better way for uh, the right trucking company to insure itself. And potentially, as we've discussed, provide a competitive differentiator in the way that they manage cargo losses. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I would, I, I, and to build on that point, just this week I was having conversations with our market partners in London about putting together essentially a group um, stock throughput program to take the smaller companies. That can't necessarily employ this type of strategy because of their size or, or whatever else, but bring them together to sort of pull out that cargo component piece and, and make it a more efficient risk transfer vehicle. The other thing I would say is um, definitely, if you're a trucking company of size, evaluate your options. Um, there are a number of types of specialty insurance programs, such as um, group captives, single parent captives, risk retention groups. where Essentially, if you're a best-in-class operator, um, you're going to pay basically what your losses are. And If you don't have losses, you will have the lowest expense Mm -hmm. for insurance possible. Um, Funny enough, in a group captive, the only way that a trucking company can get into a group captive that specializes in trucking is to be voted in by the current members. So huh. the other trucking companies evaluate the trucking company that wants to join, because these trucking companies are best in class and they share risk with each other. So they'll only take the best of the best. Um, the brokers, the insurance companies, they don't have any say. Huh? It's the other trucking companies. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I guess the days of saying bring in three insurance companies and one, two, three, pick the cheapest one and let's move on. That's not going to get it done. It sounds like what you're, t- you need to get creative with, with, with these collaboratives and other things.
1: Absolutely. Uh, um, you know, because of the three options that you're going to have in front of you, none of them are going to be affordable. Yeah, <laughs> Every one of them, even the lowest priced one, is going to be like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't like insurance. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting.
0: What, um, if our audience wanted to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, some resources, right? So I own a trucking sure. company or, or um, things of that nature. What are some websites or some, some resources I could go to to learn uh, more about my options as you need to become more creative? Um,
1: well, from a, the insurance company perspective, um, there's not a lot that we as an industry provide to the trucking industry in, in that vein. Mm-hmm. I will say that, as I mentioned earlier, we have an entire fleet safety services group. There's organizations like JJ Keller and, and others that can provide all the tools necessary to make sure you're, you know you're hiring the right drivers, you're onboarding them correctly, you're complying with every current regulatory update of which there have been several in mm-hmm. just the last year um that make it more onerous for the trucking company to operate. Um having those tools and then using them will make you that best-in-class operator that will get you the best result in the marketplace.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's it, it's, uh, it's a daunting uh, it discussion. Daunting. And I think uh, unintended consequences that we've mentioned is real. It's in your face. And, and you just need to be, like you said, creative and, and, and think outside of the box to use, uh, to use that term.
1: But the, the, the last thing I would um, caution people is to, is to say, anticipate. Anticipate that it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's a natural function of the losses that the insurance industry is taking through natural catastrophes over the last several years. Um, The fact that insurance companies cannot generate any investment income in today's environment and they have to focus exclusively on the underwriting quality of the risks to try to achieve some sort of profit. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, the insurance industry. Typically works in multi year swings. And to the benefit of many companies for the last 20 years, it has been a very soft market in insurance. I'd say easily over half the people or more that work in the insurance industry have never actually even seen a hard market. The last significant one was in the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets ugly fast. Yeah. Um, and all I can do is uh, encourage folks to. To do the effort necessary to be yeah. the best operator they can yeah. be. Yeah.
0: You better have a plan B and yeah. you better get creative. Yeah. And the days of lining up three insurance providers and say, give me your best price is probably not sustainable in the future.
1: Not only is it not sustainable, given how benchmarking for for trucking companies has changed, mm-hmm. like we actually recommend you buy a lot higher limit. We're getting to the place where we can't even obtain that limit. The market does not bear it anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you come and ask me for hundred million dollars in coverage, depending on your risk profile, best I can get you is fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Just hope you don't get one of these crushing verdicts. Yeah. Um, Interesting. pretty pretty tough times.
0: Well, it's been real enlightening, you know, and I think we did a pretty good job of keeping it interesting. (laughs) Okay. You did a really nice job of keeping it simple and using our examples with uh, explaining to our audience. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. This is a real topic. Yeah. And I'd like to thank our audience for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. Of course, it's powered by Cap Logistics. Uh, You can find more information about the show in the description below. And don't forget to like and subscribe to uh, our channel. And uh, please visit caplogistics.com for all your customized transportation. Solutions. And I would say this uh, uh, sh- uh, show of Uptime Logistics was successful because of you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Awesome. All, all right. right. Thank you all. Thanks.